today, I, I just wanted to kind of wrap up our series. We've started a series on the kingdom and what that looks like, because right now, the kingdom, revival, all these are all big buzzwords. You say, oh, man, the kingdom, and people are like, woo, all right, they must be really great people. And then we come to find out that, you know, they're not as kingdom as we thought. And so last week we talked about seven times Jesus bled, but the week before we talked about being kingdom-minded, part one. And so what I really felt like the Lord is doing is to, he wants to set a foundation here. Because as Pastor Frank leads, we must be there to run alongside him. It is, it's not fun being a senior pastor and, 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 you know, and, and trying to go somewhere and everybody else is in la-la land or they're just not with you. And it's kind of like, man, this, real, this, is, this is tough. I mean, statistically, you have a few thousand pastors that quit every week. And so I really felt like the Lord is wanting to build a strong foundation so that we could run alongside Pastor Frank and we can hold up his arms when they need to be held up. And so I really felt that the Lord is establishing something here at I Am that is a little bit different. People are like, well, how'd you guys get hooked up with, with Pastor Frank and Pastor Irma? Easy, because they were kingdom people. I've been around for a long time, and I'm very picky. I mean, I love Jesus. I love people, but there's, there's some people I'm just, oh, I love you. <laughs> that Christianese that we use, oh, bless you, brother. But as I got to know Pastor Irma and Pastor Frank, and this has nothing to do with that Pastor Frank is here, I would have said this whether you're here or not, is that when I met them, I was like, these are kingdom people. Rune and Berta from King's Mission, kingdom people. Brandon Pena, kingdom people. Pete Garza, kingdom people. Pete and Alice. And, and they're so, Roger, I mean, and I'm like, Lord, you are building kingdom people because they're, and, and I'm going to get to it, there's a remnant that the Lord is building up in this last day because I guarantee you the religious folk, the cardinal Christians, they're going to have a rough time in these last days. And so what does being kingdom minded, and, and I, was, I was watching, um, I'm not going to say the pastor, but it was on Facebook. And I was watching, I've been watching all these, this false, weird doctrine coming out. This one, I remember this one pastor, he was yet, he, you know, big pastor of a big church. And they started talking about the ABC community. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. And he said, I don't know what God wants. I, 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 if I was there, I would have said, hey, God, can there be an ABC and maybe a D? And I was like, Whoa, how do you not know what scripture says about the ABC community? And so when you're kingdom minded, you understand what, what Jesus is saying and how we're supposed to act and do. And so when the false teachings, the false prophets, and, and I'm not, you know, calling that, but, you know, I am kind of calling it. And to be quite honest, I'm going to step on a lot of people's toes and I don't really care if you're mad at me. Send me an email. I'll send you one back. I heard that, and I was like, all right, I want to use that. <laughs> I, I love you, and I want to see you reach God's destiny for your life. And so you might look and be like, man, Josh is mean, Josh is this. No, I can care less if you don't like me. 
I want to see you reach your potential because so many times I've watched, I've watched so many of my friends, people that I know, people that I love fall along the wayside. And I'm just, I've gotten to a point in my life, I'll be 40 years old this year, that I'm like, I'm sick and tired of watching my friends fall on the wayside. So being kingdom-minded, two weeks ago we talked about number one, it's 10 points. Number one is realize that you need Jesus. Beloved, life is hard with Jesus, it's impossible without Jesus. We need Jesus every day in our lives. Number two is repent of your sins and be born again. You're born again when you ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior and you put your trust into him. You're born again. You only need to do that once. But repenting of your sins, that's an everyday issue. You might need to wake up and, Lord, you know, forgive me of my sins. I got a little upset with my wife. Lord, forgive me. I looked at something that I should not have looked at. I said something, this or that. Number three, we talked about live for God and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. We are not of this earth, people. We are seated in heavenly places. And because we are kingdom citizens, we don't need to concern ourselves with the things of this world. Are they fun? Yeah, I, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not going to get uber religious, but you have to be like this, this, and this, and this. I like watching TV. I enjoy watching a few shows on Netflix, but I can't concern with my life and everything that's going on in, on Netflix or concern with, gotta have the nice car, gotta have this or that, because guess what? We're only here for a few years and then we spend eternity somewhere. And that somewhere is either heaven or that somewhere is either hell. I don't know about you, but I'll be in heaven. And I understand that the things that I accumulate here on earth, I can't take it up here. Let me tell you another thing. This is probably going to make some of y'all go, oh, man, we really don't like Josh. Jo uh, Jesus owes you nothing. You owe him everything. We think that Jesus owes me this, my, uh, it should be grandioso and this here on earth. I'm sorry if he never did a single thing in your life but salvation. Guess what, brother? Good on you. He don't owe you anything, but we act like he owes us something. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is that all the blessings, the prosperity, it all comes with him because that's who he is. He's a great father. He's not going to leave you hanging. But we have to get out of the mindset of, Jesus, you owe me. That's not how that works. That's another message for another day. Number four is teach the word of God. We have to teach the word of God, whether it's to your friends, whether it's to your, your children, whether it's to your spouse. Iron sharpens iron. You teach the word of God. I mean, you can be, I was at the barber this morning. I was getting my hair cut. And, you know, you can share the word, I mean, the lady only spoke Spanish, so I kind of was like, uh, short, cut below. She didn't listen to me. <laughs> totally did not do my hair. I was like, I, I just cut, me, me, cut before the curls. I, I like my hair short. She's like, no, no, mijo. No, your, your hair is beautiful. We're not doing that. She didn't listen to me, so I was like, all right, whatever. Teach the word of God wherever you go. You can be at the barber as you're, you know, talk to them. How many of you ever been to a hairdresser or to a barber and they want to sit and talk? How many opportunities have you had with somebody and you just sit there and then you leave and you're like, man, I could have shared the gospel with them. 
Share the gospel. Number five is be a kingdom laborer, advancing the kingdom of God. What's that? What that means is God has called us to be a servant leader. There's two types of leader. There's provisional leaders or positional leaders, and there's servant leaders. Positional leaders sit from the wherever, and they say, you do this, this, and that. Patty, go do this. Go get me this. Servant leaders, they're the ones that are back there cleaning the toilets. They're the one that's back here, you know, uh, um, hey, how can I serve you? Jesus was a servant leader. In Matthew 25, it says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom. So today I'm going to finish up. I'm going to go kind of pretty quick on these. I'm not going to hit everything um, just for time's sake. But being kingdom-minded, part two, what does it look like as we finish up? Because we're going somewhere, people. We got to think differently because when we're all thinking in one accord, we're going to go somewhere. Whether it's worship, whether it's the ministry time, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be that we're doing together. If we're all in the kingdom mindset, worship can go two hours and no one's worried about it. Oh, man, it's only been 10 minutes. Wow, it's been three hours. We've been worshiping, but it feels like only 10 minutes. When you're cardinal-minded, you're like, oh, my God, the Cowboys are playing. They're going to lose anyway, so there, I'll prophetically talk to you. Everybody's all offended now. Ooh, now we really don't like him. <laughs> don't worry. Don't get, don't, don't get all booty hurt. I like the cowgirls. <laughs> I used to like them back in the day. I watched them, but man, they're just bad ownership right now. But that's another message. <laughs> but when you're cardinal-minded, you look, and you're like, oh, man. And, and, but when you're kingdom-minded, it doesn't matter. When we're all on the same page, I'm telling you, beloved, there's something that happens when the koinia, when we are all on the same page. When I was a youth pastor and we started getting on the same page, now let me tell you, these weren't church kids. These are kids from the west side of San Antonio who didn't know who Jesus was but believed that, hey, if Jesus said it, we can do it. We had encounters where kids are going to heaven. We had, we had encounters where everybody's on the floor slain out in the spirit. We had encounters where glory was, was so tangible that you had, it looked like somebody had a fog machine. These are West Side kids, not church kids, people. But we all got on the same page and we weren't chasing after the manifestations. Oh, we want to see the glory. We want to see the gold dust. We want no, we were just chasing after Jesus. And when you chase after Jesus, all that stuff, it just happens because that's who he is. And so I really felt like as we go together, as we start walking together, Roger won't have to, and I'm not, and, and hear me, and just hear my heart. Roger will never have to say, all right, guys, let's go. It will be to a point where Roger's like, whoa, everybody's going too fast. Hang on. Number six, being kingdom-minded is enduring suffering and persecution joyfully. Matthew eleven twelve 12 says, from the days of, of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Different interpretations have been given to the statement made by Jesus Christ, but I like to say that there have been and there will always continue to be violent attacks against the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying you wake up, yay, Jesus can't wait to get persecuted today. That's not what I'm saying. I don't wake up. Lord, what bad thing could happen to me to I could, that, that's not what I'm talking about. 
But when stuff happens, I am talking about when stuff happens, you're not like, oh my God, I can't believe this. My car had another flat tire, this piece of junk. Oh my goodness, my internet went out. Oh my goodness, this or that. That's, I'm talking about when stuff happens, you're like, I had a flat tire the other day and I was just like, got out and I kind of chuckled. And I was like, well, at least I'll get a free tire now. <laughs> How many times have you, you had a flat tire and you're upset? You're just like, oh my goodness. I used to be like that. I'd get upset. Oh my God, man, I can't believe I had another flat tire and I got to go outside and get my clothes all dirty. And, rah, 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 rah. and then it wasn't until years when my wife had, was instilling in me, she's like, what if that flat tire protected us from down the road? We got into a crazy car accident. You don't know the trials and tribulations that are coming. You can look at the, at the, at the ministers of old, whether it be Watchman Nee, whether it be, you know, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, everybody. All the great men and women of God went through some type of persecution. The Moravians, they sold themselves into slavery so that they can preach the gospel. And as they were leaving, they were heard yelling out so that the, la the, 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 the lamb that was slain may, re re may receive the reward of his suffering. They knew they weren't coming back into freedom. But yet when something happens to us, we get all upset and we're like, oh man, I can't believe this is happening. In history of the church, persecution always worked for the advancement of the kingdom. I've heard a lot of people, we want revival, we want revival. And I look at them and I'm like, do you know what you're asking for? If you go through church history, revival comes at the hands of persecution. And so we were, we're saying, we want revival, we want revival. And I'm like, you know what you're saying? We want trials, we want persecution. And so we, we flippantly say things not knowing what they entail. And when the stuff happens, we're like, oh God, take these trials away from me. Trials aren't bad. David had to go through Goliath. Daniel had to go through the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to go through the fiery furnace. To go to the next level, there, a lot of times there's, a, there's a, there, a giant that's standing in your way and you have to go through him. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, that you may be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, a blasphemer in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. What Peter is saying is like, don't get confused. Don't get it twisted when things happen to you. If you are a believer and you are doing what you're called to do, you're going to get backlash. When I walk outside, bees don't sting me for no reason. Wasps don't sting me for no reason. But when I was little and we played that wonderful game of, hey, let's throw a rock at this wasp nest. and Let's see what happens. Hey, let's, let's squirt water on it. 
Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. That's what made it a great game. Sometimes you just got to run faster than your slow friend. As they're all, ah, manifesting and stuff, you're like, oh, man, sucks to be you. <laughs> but it's like, if you're doing what God's called you to do, the enemy's going to counterattack. But if you're not doing anything and you're not a threat to the kingdom, he doesn't need to waste time on you. So again, but here's the thing that Peter says. He says, if you are, uh, say, but he said, none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a blasphemer. If you're suffering for Christ, that's one thing. But if you're going to jail because you knocked over a 7-Eleven, don't get in jail and be like, I'm being persecuted for the gospel. <laughs> no, you're not. You're suffering consequences of your stupidity. I've heard that so many times in our community that we worked in. They're like, you know, all these things, got my car repossessed. I must be suffering for the kingdom. No, you bought a Maserati at a Burger King salary. Oh, I'm, I'm in jail. You know, my, my husband or, or my baby daddy in jail. And oh man, they just, it's, but you know, it's, it's all for the good of the Lord. I said, no, it's not. He was drug dealing. He got caught. And so we have this messed up, this, this messed up view of the kingdom. We think that when bad things happen, it's all for the glory. No, it's either you did it or God allowed it to happen. There's a lot of things that we do that we allow persecution or trials and we think it's the Lord. Let me finish with this. A kingdom-minded Christian should not complain because of suffering and persecution. He should joyfully endure them. James chapter one, two through three, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Beloved, your suffering and persecution is not in vain. God will reward you. When you go through trials and tribulations, what it's doing is that it is, it is um, strengthening you for such a time as this. It is strengthening your inner man. It is strengthening you so when the next demon comes or the next trial or the next persecution, you are like, man, I've already been. I mean, look at David. I, I, don't, I don't believe that David, if, I mean, God can do whatever he wants, but I don't believe if David met Goliath first, I don't think we'd be talking about, oh, David killed Goliath. He had to go through some trials and tribulations to strengthen him. That's why he was able to tell Saul, a bear came and a lion came and I took them out. So because I took them out, now my faith is so hardened that I can go after this Goliath and I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm taking him out. Number seven, set your affection on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Colossians 3, 2, it says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. We must allow heaven to fill our heart. Why should you? It's verse three, it tells us the reason. It says, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You're not of this earth, but you are of heaven. You belong to God who is your father. We are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. So we don't need to feel the earthly things uh, 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 that, you know, while we're here on earth, we're not supposed to fill our lives with earthly things. Now, are they bad in and of themselves? No. I love video games. I play video games. I, I like basketball. I like working out. 
are these things bad in and of themselves? No, but when they become and they're put on the throne of your life, then that's where we have an issue. When you rather go work out, hit the gym, then worship or spend time in your prayer closet or go to church. Set your affection on heavenly things. To be kingdom-minded, you need to ask. You need to seek those things above that are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father and not things here on the earth. We must ensure that we fix our thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Don't be deceived by the attractive things of this world. I used to be there. I remember going through, I went to San Pedro High for a couple hours. Let everybody think about that for a second. And I remember I went into business and I was like, I'm gonna go study for business. I wanna make all this money. I watched my dad. My dad was a pastor. And I'm just like, man, why do I wanna live like that? He's always scraping and that just don't look fun. I wanna go into business. I wanna make money, yada, yada, yada. Beloved, I was setting my mind on the things of the earth. And it wasn't until I decided not to go back to SAC, San Pedro High. It wasn't until I, you know, I didn't go back and I start, we, we, we started really get, just doing a lot more. Uh, we started our own ministry that I was like, you know, it's not about the things of this earth. This is what gets me going. This is what wakes me up. We were at a, at a, at a John Ramirez came into town. So we went to go see him. And for those who don't know, uh, he's a, he was the third highest um, occult leader in New York. I mean, studied the occult. Sold his soul to, I mean, all this stuff. And, um, and so we went and, you know, I've heard his story. I have read it, went through his books and, you know, kind of just, so I was excited. I'm like, all right, this is cool. Heard some stuff, but you know what? We went with some friends and my, what got me going was watching everyone else get touched. Two weeks ago when we had that wonderful service time, I was sitting in the back. I kind of gave up doing words and I just sat back and I watched y'all just enter in and have fun with the Lord. Why? Because I'm looking into the, in the future. I'm looking at the eternal. I'm looking at each person that's sitting here in this seat. And I'm like, all right, Lord, look where they're going. Look what they're doing. Number eight, and I'm gonna start wrapping it up. Number eight is be humble. The spirit of the kingdom of God is the spirit of humility. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Pride and arrogance is the spirit of the kingdom of the devil. The devil, Lucifer, was cast down from heaven because of pride. If you want to be kingdom-minded, you must walk in the spirit of humility. Now, there's a caveat to this. There's true humility, and then there's this religious cheap humility, which I can't stand. Like, you'll hear me fuss and say something when I hear that. Where, you know, it, it, there, there's times where I'll go, somebody, I'll see somebody preach or, you know, a friend will preach or say something. I'm like, hey, good job in here. Oh, brother, that's not me. That's Jesus working in me. I'm like, no, duh. But guess what? You were speaking. He was using you. Okay, so great job. You know, take a pat on the back. It's okay, you know. And so I, I'm not talking about that false humility. I'd be like, hey, Roger, you man, you guys, man, you guys did an amazing job in service today. Man, you brought the spirit. Well, that wasn't me. 
That was all Jesus. And I, you know, I'm just a humble servant, just doing what he said. Yes, I get that. Like, I totally get that. But you know what? You did a great job. You listened to the Holy Spirit. Let's just call it for what it is. But true humility, when you're kingdom-minded, you walk in the spirit of humility. It says in Matthew 18, 2 through 5, it says, Then Jesus called a little child to him and sat him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one of these little children like this is in my name and receives him. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. That was Jesus' answer to the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Which the disciples were asking him in, in verse one. Hey, Jesus, who's gonna be the greatest? And they're arguing over stupid things. Who's gonna sit on your right? Come on, who's the greatest? We have such a, a, a culture of trying to one-up everybody. Who's the greatest? Who's this? Who's that? When Jesus is like, dude, take a chill pill. Matthew 23, it says, but he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant and whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Kingdom leadership is not a status symbol. It is not for lording over things or being served. Humility is, you know what? You come in and, you know, there's the, you know, there's the, the, the verse in, in scripture where it talks about when you sit in the back, don't sit in the front least you be taken back. Sorry, brother, the seat's for somebody else, but sit in the back and let them call. And so, so many times we want to be, let me, let me go sit in the front. And, and I'm not saying, now, when I go places, I like to sit in the front, not because I'm puffed up or anything like that. It's just, I want to hear what's going on. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm attentive. I want to hear, you know, but sometimes we like to sit so people can see us. Look at me. I remember my dad was a Bible school director for this uh, place. And I remember it was, for those who don't know, Pastor Frank may know, but there is a Bible Paul may know. Um, anyone ever heard of a Dake's Bible? Big old Dake's Bible. It was like a hundred and something dollars. And I remember all these college students, if you didn't have a Dake's Bible, you weren't legit. And so everyone's trying to save up money and buy this big old Dake's Bible and walk around because they wanted to have the appearance of someone that's, oh, you must be the next man of God or prophet or this or that. When Jesus is just like, man, I don't care if it's the Dake's, I don't care if it's the ESV, just read it. Because I guarantee you, there's a, I know a few of those folks today who carried their Dake's looking for, look at me, and they're not living for Jesus. Jesus emphasized the same teachings toward the end of his ministry when he was washing the feet of his disciples. And what he was doing, he was setting an example. Don't think that you're better than everybody else. We live in a society where you're told you're the best, be the best. Now, I'm very driven. I, I can be very driven. My, my family and kids are like, oh, God, yes. Actually, by nature, I'm a very, very heavy introvert. So people are like, oh, Josh doesn't talk to me. No, I'm just, I'm just introvert. Like, I'm really introvert. But when I want something, I am very driven. 
All right, guys, we got work to do or we're going to do this, but we haven't ate, Dad. I don't care. You're fasting today. We got stuff to do. <laughs> Half my family's dragging. They're just like, we can't make it. Come on, guys. We got more stuff to do. Like, I could be very, very driven. But I don't know where I got, I don't know where I was going with this. Oh, okay. Jesus emphasized that we are to wash each other's feet. Again, I, like I was saying, so I'm very driven. I can be very uh, D-type personality when I want to be. And you know it. That's why you're hungry all the time when we go out places. I'm like, no, we got to finish this. But I'm pregnant, I'm this or that, or I'm hungry, I'm that. I don't care. <laughs> She was pregnant one year, and we were coming back from Corpus Christi. She's like, Josh, I'm, I'm just hungry. I'm going to get sick. I don't care. We got to get home. We have places to do. To my chagrin, she's throwing up all over the place. See, I told you. Just stick your head out the window next time. <laughs> and so sometimes we can get in this, in this state where we want to be the best or the greatest, and that's nothing wrong with that. If you do it with the right heart, you do it with the right spirit, in the sense of you do everything with excellence. I believe you can be great and in the sense of you do everything with excellence. I want to do everything with excellence. But Jesus is saying, look, you're not better than this person or that person. So many times you have, um, you have the man of God up here, but then you have the loneliest person, the, the, the homeless. Pastor Frank and, and Pastor Irma exemplified humility, even more, and I'll even say even more than me. They were very quick to take a homeless person. I'm real quick to be like, pray for you, brother. <laughs> Here's some money. See ya. But they would stop with their own vehicle and take people and drop people off and do this and open up the church when it was cold or feed people during Thanksgiving. They exemplified humility and that's what Jesus, that's why I love them because I've seen so many people up here and can care less about the little people. My heart niche is children and youth. There's so many times, I, I was at a church not too long ago. My son, my youngest one, 10 months, was, eh, didn't even make a lot of noise. And somebody got up from the front row. Tiff saw, I saw, so Tiff's like, let me just, let me just stop this right now. She gets up and she walks out and they're like, thank you. And I'm like, if I'm at a church where I feel shamed because of a child, that's messed up. And so, so many times we, we, we uh, part of our, another part of our ministries that we call it, with, it's called Vital Knowledge. We teach churches how to minister to children and to kids. And we would call churches up. Hey, we're so-and-so. We're with Vital Knowledge. We're, we want to teach your kids. We don't have children. We don't want children. And I'll hang up and be like, well, your church will be dead in a couple years. And so, Pastor Frank and Irma, their heart was for the homeless. Mine is for children because so many times we look at children and we think they're insignificant because they can't give in the collection plate. They can't help you put up flags. They can't do this or do that. And I'm like, yes, they can. I've watched so many times here in this church, children come up and drop a few nickels and dimes in the collection plate. And I'm like, heck yeah. 
Humility, people, we must be a people of humility. I don't know who, what your niche is or your calling or your gospel, but as you can see, this is kids of my gospel button. Because for so long, I have watched the church, I've watched society use and abuse children, and I'm like, it shouldn't be like that. The last two, number nine, is develop divine accountability consciousness. Beloved, live your life daily with the consciousness that you are going to give account to God one day. This enables you to be careful what you do and what you say. If there wasn't going to be accountability, then you can do whatever the heck you want. But because there's accountability, we must be a people that we watch what we do and what we say. We say so many flippant words, flippantly. Oh man, something might happen. You know, you're, you're, I'll use a flat tire because this happened to me the other day. So I guess it's just on my heart. Oh man, my tire popped. This is killing me. We just think that we're flippantly saying this is killing me, but the enemy's like this. I'll agree with you. I will come into agreement with you and you will cut your life short. My husband is this. My, my wife is this. You're just like this. Oh, and, and my kids do this. They'll say something really shady to one another. And I'm like, why did you say that? I was just playing around. I'm like, no, it doesn't work like that. You will give account. The scripture says that one day you will give account before Jesus at the Bema seat. And you will give account for every deed, good and bad, for every flippant word. Romans 14, 12, it says, each of you shall give account of himself to God. 1 Peter 4, 5 says, everybody will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Matthew 12, 36 says, for every idle word man may speak, they will give account at the day of judgment. That's a scary notion. Every idle word, flippant word, the Lord's going to go back and be like, hey, yo, Hope, you said this. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 23, it calls him the judge of all. So there will be a judgment day. You can go back to Matthew 18. You have the parable of the, 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 the king and the servants. And he left on a, on a trip and he gave his servant each a talent. One got five, one got four, one got two. Right? I don't know why I went blank. Five, three, one, something like that. Yeah, five, three, one. Even I had a brain fart. That don't sound right. At the end of his trip, it says that the master came to settle accounts. That wasn't just a parable or a story. Jesus was saying, hey, look, I'm giving you talents here on earth, and I will come back. Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to settle accounts. And then lastly, and I'll finish with this, associate with kingdom-minded people. Associate with kingdom-minded people. Don't think that you can hang out with, uh, <laughs> I've, been with I've been with John Ramirez too long. Don't think you can go hang out with Julio. <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> Don't think you go hang out with Julio and expect to go somewhere. No, listen. 
Bad company corrupts good morals. Four types of Christians you need to know about or be wary about. Number one, maybe this, I hope, I pray this isn't any of us here. Number one is the no zeal, no knowledge. That's your carnal Christian. These are cultural Christians. These are Christians by name and association only and have never encountered Jesus nor received the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 29, 13 says this, because this, because this people draw near to me with their mouths and they honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and the fear of me is not, uh, is not a commandment taught by men. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the spirit are sons of God. No zeal, no knowledge. These are cardinal Christians. These are the ones walking around. These are the ones who win the Grammy Award, who just talked about murdering people, sleeping around. I just want to give God glory. I'm like, what are you talking about? John the Baptist says this. All right, all right. If you repent, I, let us see the fruits of repentance. So if you claim Jesus, there must be fruit. And so you have, a, a, you have a cultural Christians. I like to call them gummy bear Christians. These are the ones that just do whatever they want. Number two, you have knowledge. First one was, was cultural Christians. Then you have knowledge without zeal. These are your cardinal Christians. These Christians have been born again, but never, received, never fully surrendered their lives and are driven by the desires of their flesh or the sensation of their body, or their soul, their mind, will, or an emotion. Matthew 13, 1 through 58, go read it. Don't have time to read it all. But what it is, it's about the sower who went out to go sow the seed. Some fell into thorny ground, some seed rose up and was choked out by the cares of this world. The acknowledgement or the knowledgeable person who has no zeal is the same as the Pharisees Jesus spoke against. These people, they draw near to me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips, but they are far from me. They know all the, they know all the head knowledge. I know a bunch of folks like that. They know all the head knowledge. They can quote, you know, they can give you every scripture address from Genesis to Revelation. They can tell you this. They can tell you about the Torah. They can tell you about Day of Atonement, how to sacrifice. They can tell you what this, this, and that. But they do not act like there's no zeal. They're far from Jesus. To be honest, this can be one of the most common traps for those of us in the church of Christ. Church of Jesus, not church of Christ. Everybody's like, oh, church of Christ. No, 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 church of Jesus. Sorry, I'll put it to you that way. I just didn't use his Jesus. <laughs> we, are, we are a group that, sometimes we can be a group that emphasizes Bible knowledge. And don't get me wrong, I love it. I, I read a lot. I watch a lot. I mean, I, I love knowledge. I have a Greek to, I have Hebrew Greek lexicons, I have dictionaries, I have programs. I mean, I love it. We should all be pursuers of more knowledge of the word because through the word, that's where the revelation of Jesus comes through. But we can be verily, we can get verily, uh, very easily get so much head knowledge that we don't have a relationship with Jesus. Next, the last two, you have zeal without knowledge. And these are your religious Christians. These believers uh, 
These are folks who have been born again. They have overcome some of the more base lists of the flesh, but have stopped short by being led by the Spirit, and they use the law, holiness, gifts, or external experience to be what governs them. Paul the Apostle was a religious Christian. He knew all the scriptures. He was zealous. He was an assassin. Man, he was taking out Christians left and right. And he thought, I'm doing it. Yeah, this is, yeah. He was zealous. And then lastly, zeal with knowledge. It's zeal with knowledge in spiritual things. These are your kingdom people. Spiritual Christians, these are those who allow Jesus Christ himself to be the Lord and Savior and have learned to be taught by the instruction of the Holy Spirit. They are committed to worshiping Christ in spirit and in truth and have overcome the world with its desires and temptation and have abandoned their own forms of self-righteousness and good works. Romans 8.14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And I can go on and on, but I'm going to stop there. Kingdom people look different. Kingdom people act different. We must look and act different. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Exactly. Again, I go back to what was different about Pastor Frank. I, I'm sorry, Frank. I just keep on hounding you guys, but I'm giving you props, dude, because no one. I, I I didn't really. I've told Irma a few times and Frank a few times, but I'm going to keep until they really. They may know it here, but I want them to know it here. Is that I fell in love with them because they were kingdom people. Pastor Irma always looked different. She talked different she walked different she walked with a swagger like i know that i'm a daughter she knew what was up we have to look different and so as the team comes up and and we worship for a second we're not going to go deep but i want to have a time of prayer real briefly we're not going to spend a long time but i guarantee you Religious folk aren't going to like this church. Pastor Irma was different. Pastor Frank was different. And in that, I want to be different. Not because of who they are. It's because what Jesus did in my life. I got in a second chance and with this second chance with Jesus, I refuse to go back and be cardinal. I refuse to go back to the normacy of Christianity, of this religion. I refuse to go back to where I was. And with this second chance, I decided I'm going to be all out for you. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people do. Josh, you're this, you're that. No, I guarantee you, I'm probably more free than most people. When you're kingdom people, you're not, you don't do religion because I don't want to get hurt 
or I, I, this is, I gotta follow the Ten Commandments because I have to. You do it because I don't wanna disappoint Jesus. Why do I live right? It's so I don't wanna, I don't wanna disappoint him. It's not that I have to. I do whatever I want. God is a free will God. God created free will. That's why he put two trees in the garden. I had this one, we were, we did a, we had a, a group from Lavernia area and they were like, hey, um, we, we were talking, we we're going through our, our community in Cassiano and she was like, the question came up, so God sends us to hell? I said, no, you're absolutely wrong. She said, what? I said, yeah, God don't send nobody to hell. You send yourself to hell by your actions. He says, you wanna live, you, you wanna live forever? Boom, put your trust in my son. You wanna die? Don't put your trust, it, it's it, it's two. And you can pick one or the other. And if you choose wrong, you send yourself. And so when you're kingdom people, you think different. And so if you're sitting there today in your seat, and you're like, you know what? I've been kind of living for myself. I've been this or that. I want you to come up to the front and we're gonna pray with you. We're not gonna take a lot of time. I'm hungry. Yes, I'll, you'll hear me joke. I don't take a lot serious. <laughs> I take communion serious and that's about it. <laughs> Cause I know I don't wanna, I don't wanna die. <laughs> Go to sleep and never wake up. But I, I, that's the way God wired me, is just humor. So if you're sitting there and you're like, I, I just, I need to get right. I don't know what that looks like. You may not even know Jesus. You may be watching online. You may not even know Jesus. I wanna give you the opportunity to get right. Oh, it's a bunch of rules. No, it's not. I, I, I'm more free than, I'm more free than you. There's a lot that I do. There's a lot I don't do. Not because I have to, because I don't want to. Because I love Jesus that much. So if that's you, I want you to come up to the front. Just close your eyes, lift your hands. If you're watching online, I just want you to prepare your heart. We're gonna pray with you. And if it's nobody, cool, that's all right. But if you want fresh fire, I want you to come up and just be refreshed. And I'm gonna come, I'm gonna lay hands.